It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The gigantic government sucks. Pursuit of happiness. Radio is deluxe. Liberty and freedom will make you smile. The pursuit of happiness on your radio. That's the cheeseburgers and liberty fries. It's pursuit of happiness time. Good afternoon. Greetings, friends. It's me, Kenny. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks for spending Friday afternoon with me. It's very awesome to be here with you. I apologize. I got on a little late today. If you're just tuning in, you've been enjoying the best of Walton and Johnson for the last 60 minutes. Hopefully you liked it. Our morning show, well, the Walton and Johnson show featuring Kenny Webster, of course. And I, I had an appointment a little bit ago I could not get out of. So I, But I really wanted to get on here and get on the radio with you guys. We've got a big event tomorrow at Republic Harley-Davidson. We're going to be riding in honor of our good buddy John Walton. So come hang out with us. We're raising money for the Sunshine Kids. It's going to be very cool. Now, as for the rest of this radio show, just for the next hour, I'll be here with you. My buddy Michael Quinn Sullivan stopping by. We're going to take a look at... What is happening right now in the Texas legislative session in terms of protecting kids and why some people in our state government are not doing their job? I will explain what that means coming up. But first, if you don't mind, I'd like to do something we don't often do in the first segment of the show. But since it's Friday, I figure, why not? Why not break the rules a little bit? Here, here, young lads and lassies, shut your filthy goblet holes and listen up, because here are some things that happened on this day in history. That's right. It's a quick reminder of history. Sometimes you need to take a look back at where you've been to remember where you're going. And in case you're curious, this segment of the show proudly brought to you by my good friends at Starting Strength Gym. They got two locations, one in Houston, one in Katy. It's a strength training program. It will change your life. I never liked going to a gym until I discovered this place and these people. And now I don't want to not go. I go every I go multiple times a week. It's my favorite place to hang out at. That's not just a thing I'm saying on the radio. You really will find me there in my free time, and I, I recommend you take a class. All that being said, this weekend, we're going to uh, get to the day. Well, is there a – okay, technically there's no – there's April 30th. You guys know that's 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 not – I'm not going to be on the air on Sunday, so I just thought I'd chime in on this one today. April 30th is Sunday, and you may or may not be aware of this, but things you know, a couple hundred years ago were done a bit differently. Back when our good friend, George Washington, our, our, our founding father, was first sworn in as president, surprisingly, he did not get sworn in in January the way we do it today. It was a little different then. Aubrey Gullick recently wrote about this at thefederalist.com. It was actually April 30th, 1789. The man was sworn in as our first president. You know, George Washington was a larger-than-life man in a lot of ways. For starters, he was six foot three inches tall. Now, to me, that's average height, but I'd imagine most of you probably think that is pretty tall. At the time, he was about six inches taller than most of his peers. 
200 pounds, well distributed over his frame. Strong man. Did you know that about George Washington? He was kind of a badass in his time. He was a big dude. And he was also uncomfortable with his appearance. He thought his nose was unseemly. Well, back then they didn't have Instagram and stuff to worry about. But he had dentures. He was a little a little stoic, his expression, if you will. And he may have looked a bit stoic, but Washington was a well-loved man, well-respected, which is why he was elected our first president. And this weekend, 1789, April 30th, he will have been sworn in. He wasn't always a paragon of virtue with a carefully crafted public persona. Once, once he was a young man who was to blame for the outbreak of the French in Indian War, the year was 1754. Washington was a young man in the British Army when his commander sent him to negotiate with the French. Oh, oh, oh we are going to negotiate over what is basically the territorial disagreements over modern-day Pittsburgh. Did you know that? The disagreements were by no means a small measure, nothing minor about this. The English were demanding the French vacate the Ohio Valley. The French had other plans in mind. Washington's task was delicate, and his partner was touchy. He was accompanied by some 400 British colonial and Native American troops, including a 50-year-old chief of the Mingo tribe the British called Half King. The man had plenty of experience in warfare and statesmanship and a bone to pick with the French, not a big fan of the French. I mean, who is, really? But there was no delicacy in the way the expedition managed the situation. When they reached the camp, they attacked. Washington won the initial skirmish, killing the French diplomat. But he had to retreat to a hastily constructed wooded palisade in the middle of a meadow called Fort Necessity, an appropriate name, I might mind you. Washington was outmaneuvered, outmanned, outgunned. You've heard all the cliche terms before. He and his forces surrendered. The French accused the young soldier of provoking an attack during peacetime. They declared war on the British. Washington's name was heard as far away as London, and London was not happy. You might say they were pissed. His first military expedition had been a complete failure. And that is putting it lightly. At 21 years old, he started his first proto-world war. It involved three of the largest empires of the time and doubled the British national debt. That's a lot of money to spend. Washington was not proud of that episode. And amazingly, of all the things he ever did, that wasn't even the thing that pissed off the British the most. But it was an episode he learned from. It was his only military defeat, and it was arguably what led to his careful cultivation of good character, if only to counter the bad name of the incident that left him who he was. In more ways than one, it prepared him to be the indispensable man that we know from the American Revolution. The problem was that the war was not technically over. Troops had to remain assembled until the treaty was signed. Congress, of course, was broke. And those same troops had not been paid. They were tired. They were bloodied and bored sitting on a grassy knoll in Newburgh, New York. And who wants to sit on a grassy knoll in New York? Nobody likes grassy knolls. Just ask JFK about that. All of this a recipe for mutiny, and Congress knew it. At the beginning of the year, officers began circulating pamphlets proposing that the troops turn on the colonies. They wanted to disband the ineffective Congress and make Washington king. Washington was horrified. He didn't want to be king. He wanted to be president of the new republic. On March 15th, he hurried to address his men. He begged them to pursue their national duty and not throw away the great experiment that they had only just begun pursuing. This was the 18th century, after all. Social norms demanded that leaders avoid showing any physical weakness. That was not a problem for the imposing figure of Washington. When he finished his speech, Washington fumbled in his jacket pocket and pulled out a tiny pair of spectacles. 
which is an old-fashioned word. It means glasses, kids. And that was when he looked out at his men, and he said, <clears throat> he said, gentlemen, you will permit me to put on my spectacles. I have not only grown gray, but almost blind in the service of my country. The men were taken aback. Some were in tears. With a single gesture, Washington had averted an early end of the new country's Republican enterprise. This same man stepped down from the presidency to avoid dying in office. His desire to leave political life to farm at Mount Vernon defined the American vision of a Republican man for generations. Although Washington made no mistakes, it isn't hyperbolic to say that without him, there would be no United States of America. And this radio show, we might be speaking French right now. And wouldn't that suck? I don't even know how to speak French. Some radio shows are so hot, they'll literally burn your eyes. Fortunately, this isn't one of those shows. I feel like not, never listening to y'all again. Pursuit of Happiness Radio. I uh, I don't possess the I don't possess the ability to to do that. What he just did there, yeah. See, when I do it, it doesn't sound the same. I don't sound like Hank or even Hank Jr. I sound like Hank's illegitimate third cousin trying to do an impersonation of a a not too distant relative that probably wouldn't even take calls from him. I can't do it, guys. I cannot, y'all. I wish I could. I can, however, call one of the most dangerous men in Texas politics on the phone. He is. Ladies and gentlemen, he has destroyed the careers of both rhino Republicans and crony liberals alike. He has created the largest political grassroots organization in the history of the state of Texas. He recently released a book. I highly recommend you check it out, Michael Quinn Sullivan. What is the name of your new book? Hey, it's uh, Reflections on Life and Liberty. And uh, like you, I can't sound like Hank, but I can sound like Hank the cow dog. <laughs> what is that? Who is that? Oh my goodness! You, oh, I keep forgetting you're 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 from not Texas. Oh, Hank the Cowdog is this fabulous series of kids books. Been around for a long time, uh, uh, written and drawn by this great artist from up in um, up in kind of the high plains of Texas. Um, fabulous stuff. Highly recommend Hank the Cowdog. And oh, by the way, the guy who does the writing and the drawing is. He's a good guy. He's one of us. So, anyway, hey, fun hey, stuff. I'm glad to hear that. I didn't know all that. Now, before we get to what I wanted to talk to you about, uh, I, I was just reminded of something. You have destroyed careers before of crony politicians. Dennis Bonin, the former Speaker of the House, one of those people, showed up the other day at a legislative session uh, and basically as a lobbyist, but he's not registered as a lobbyist. He did lobbying, It you know, is the best way to describe what he was doing the other day. But not a lobbyist. Did you hear about this? I have uh, I have heard that that was going going on. Um, have not uh, have have not caught it. it. It it's pretty disgusting, and it's the kind of thing that I think a lot of us get really upset by is these legislators who not only you know a guy like him who cashed in um, in real time, um, having this weird little bank that he had that you know only had you know people with business with the state of Texas doing deposits in is kind of the rumor out there. Um, but he also though. Um, you know, he, he leaves office with this big campaign war chest, uh, leaves in disgrace, and is now uh, lobbying, you know, quote unquote lobbying, whether it's actually a lobbyist or not, another issue. Right. Um, exactly. Uh, apparently for hire. So it's kind of a revolving door that everyone says they oppose. Oh, but, you know, we always look the other way when it's, you know, when it's in practice. 
Right. Yesterday, Representative Gary Gates, uh, a Republican from Richmond, took to the back microphone to make the case for greater regulation of a controversial state program offering millions in tax exemptions to developers for affordable housing. We, t- we discussed this on the show yesterday as a report from our friend Holly Hansen at The Texan. And one of several lawmakers to propose reforms to the Public Facility Corporation program, Gates had introduced a reform bill with, with very tough standards, but allegedly former Speaker Dennis Bonin repeatedly pressured him to drop his proposals. That's interesting. What? Why is uh, Why is Dennis Bonin, a so-called conservative Republican, such a big fan of affordable housing uh, tax exemptions? Uh, your take on this, Michael Quinn Sullivan? Yeah, look, man. You know, at, at some point, we'll find out why he's become such a big big fan of this stuff. And huh. it, my my guess is it probably has to do with uh, you know uh, what, what check he cash. Cha ching, cha ching, cha ching. Yeah, with every lobbyist there. Um, you know, on the other hand, you can probably also uh, you know you know say, well, it's maybe, maybe not money. Maybe he just is uh, revealing himself to what he is, which is not a conservative Republican. Um, you know, either way, I think we should all be very frustrated that you know, when we see these people who we who we, who, who we as citizens give a uh, you know, trust and power for the care and maintenance and operation of our government, and then they step away and start cashing in on it. Every one of these guys all sit there and, oh, you know, they just cry the big crocodile tears about what a sacrifice it is for they and their families to serve in public office. And, oh, I wouldn't have done this had it not been for people in my community, you know, asking me, begging me, pleading with me to be in office. I'm the only person who could do this. And they turn around and, uh, you know, they go and become lobbyists making all this money. It just doesn't add up. Yeah. And, you know, again, I hate to repeat a point you and I have made over and over again, but the House right now, the legislative House in the state of Texas really doesn't seem that interested in looking at the list of Republican voter priorities from last year's party convention that we had here in the state of Houston. But, you know, all that being said, something I really wanted to ask you about, Michael Quinn Sullivan, Democrats giving driver's licenses to illegals. Where is this happening at? Yeah, this is horrible. This uh, so you know it, it's already happening in several states. Right. This, this is a real thing. This is not some you know kooky conspiracy thing you read about on the you know deep recesses of Reddit. You know, right. This is something that's actually going on. Uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, um, is the most recent of the you know fifty-seven, two hundred nine. How many other states there are? Um, you know, the most recent of the states. Uh, to do this. Uh, but we've got Democrats in Texas trying to push it. And um, there's a fellow by the name of John Busey, um, one of those guys who, if you, if you were, if you're walking past him down the street, you go, oh yeah, he's a leftist. Um, just, <laughs> you just kind of exudes that vibe. He just kind of looks like a guy who probably you don't want to see the search history on his phone. Oh, you know, he's one of those. Kind of <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and so, so he's proposed this legislation that would, you know, you know purportedly, you know, kind of cleans up state law to make, you know, more clarity for the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles and everyone. Um, and instead, what he does, he inserts various documents that can be used as um, as you know, as original documents uh, for the issuance of driver's licenses, and what a surprise! He includes in there the the pending status notification that the Biden administration gives to every illegal every every illegal alien, everyone who is caught by Border Patrol comes into the possession of Border Patrol, and they turn around and release. They hand them this piece of paper that says, you know. Joe Smith, you know, whatever the illegal alien's name is, you know, is not in this country illegally and needs to show up eventually for a court hearing, you know, be a good boy, you know, or whatever. Well, 
that illegal alien can then turn around and take that piece of paper under John Busey's legislation and use it to get a driver's license in Texas. Um, horrible stuff. And of course, you got a lot of Republicans saying, oh, well, gosh, yeah, we need to do that because if we, you know, if we give them driver's licenses, then we can make sure that they have car insurance. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it's just insane. So. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Well, I'm glad that's good for the car insurance company, but I, Maybe, I, yeah. I, I, doubt it, well, I doubt it benefits most of us. No, I mean, and the the, the 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 kind of the add-on effect of that is, of course, you know, when, when if you have ever gotten a driver's license, uh, you know that one of the things that they will automatically do for you is register you to vote. Now, huh. um, legal aliens, people who are in the country legally but are not citizens, they can get driver's licenses. We let someone who's here, you know, uh, you know, all the time. You let people who are here legally can qualify for a state driver's license based on residency and other things. Um, and we all just kind of take it on their word that they're not going to then register to vote. But, you know, who's to say that these people who are literally breaking the law coming here aren't going to, going to you know, break another law or two? Um, or at a minimum, uh, just you know, left the very helpful um, state employee behind the counter just to register them without any input whatsoever. So a whole lot of questions, a whole lot of problems that we should be keeping an eye on in the closing days of the legislative session. Yeah, and someone on the left might argue that this will make, well, this will just make it harder for them to vote illegally. No, it doesn't. It makes it easier for them to vote illegally. It's abundantly clear that that's what's happening. Hey, before we run out of time here, getting, getting back to the Texas legislative session here for a second, once again, what, another thing on the list, we, we've just learned, you know, to their credit, the uh, legislation is placing armed security guards in schools. That's passed the House. So it looks like that'll probably move forward. And I bet Governor Abbott will probably sign this. That's good. You guys have a report to, uh, about that House Bill 3. Uh, I, I would I mean, I think that's a success and a win for us. But what about why is the House dragging its feet on protecting children in other ways around the state? I mean, there's so many examples uh, experimental medical treatments being a good start, right? Yeah, look, look I mean, the well, one thing I always like to caution folks on, and I'm even going to caution you on that. Me? <laughs> Which I feel horrible doing you even. You know, um, I, 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 have a, I have a hard time um, applauding a fish for being able to swim. You know, that, that's literally what a fish does is it swims, okay? If a fish gets out of the water and walks around, then that's something special. I'm going to that would be interesting, so right? Yeah. So, so when the legislature does something like, hey, you know, we're going to actually fund having, you know, armed, you know, security at schools, that's, that's literally their job description. That's what they're supposed to do. Okay. And, and it is very sad that we're at a point where we look at a Republican dominated legislature for more than two decades and say, wow, look at this. They did something they're supposed to do. Let's pat them on the back and give them a, you know, a graham cracker for it. Um, you know, we should be, we should have much higher standards and well, gosh, at least they got something worthwhile done. And I hear a lot of our friends and I see a lot of friends on social media, I see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of folks around the, around the state who just, you know, get so giddy with excitement because they get one or two things done after 20 years of Republicans being in control, we should have to be making stuff up instead we have things like this, this horrible, the, the, the mutilation and sexualization um, of children going on. And the Texas House is dragging its feet because every one of them are more concerned with how they and their spouses are presented at you know, cocktail parties huh. uh, hosted by leftists that's than it. they are in actually doing things that they promise us to do. Right. No, that's completely what it is, Michael. I mean, you're exactly right about this. I have friends professional friends they work in the medical industry they're lawyers very accomplished people who agree with you and i on everything we say politically 
And when they go out into the real world, they're afraid. They're afraid to tell people. They're afraid to tell people that they don't think that we should use chemical castration drugs on children. They're afraid to tell people that we should defend old statues. They're afraid to tell people that maybe we don't need the government to track our whereabouts everywhere we go, but it would be nice if we kept track of illegals coming over our border, maybe even stopped them. They're afraid to say that at a cocktail party. If these people that have succeeded in life, people that are making seven digits a year succeeding in life, are afraid to take those positions, have we already failed as a, as a society? Well, we, 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 we have failed. That doesn't mean we have to keep failing. Right. Um, you know, what, what, what it means is that we all, you know, we, we all need to be the person who at the cocktail party is willing to say it. Um, that's where we have to be the one who's willing uh, to voice that position. And what you find, and this and I've had conversations with friends um, who, who work in and around Hollywood, who all the time say that you, know, you, know, that you, you talk about the problem you experience, you know, they have it you know, a thousand times more. But you know, they, they say you know, that they've literally been in situations where they will then say, well, gosh, this illegal immigration problem is you know, a real problem, expecting <laughs> pushback. And suddenly everyone at the cocktail party goes, oh. Oh, I agree. And that there's, you know, 50 people in this room who all agree, who are all scared to death to say it, right? It just takes one person uh, to stand up. Um, and I think that, you know, that's where each one of us have, a, have that moral responsibility uh, to not let ourselves be cowed. Now, our founding fathers wanted us to have freedom of speech, not, you know, not for the purpose of, you know, prom- promulgating porn, uh, but so that instead we could have civil discussions about issues. And yet we've allowed the left uh, to to squelch civil discussion, you know, you and me and our friends at a cocktail party over lunch, we should be able to, in a friendly way, talk about issues and talk about our differences without worrying that you know that someone's going to get up and beat us with a baseball bat. That's precisely what the left has done to us in many ways. Uh, it's so well put. Lauren Boebert was giving a speech about this the other day. She said that we shouldn't be afraid. Uh, to, to make people uncomfortable. We shouldn't be afraid to take a stand, to be bold, even if it means getting kicked off a plane. And 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 the response from the liberal media after she said this, of course, she was talking about not wearing a mask on a plane. It wasn't, they said, Lauren Boebert, why are you encouraging violence against people? It's as if they're afraid. Uh, did everybody forget what Maxine Waters did a few years back? I, I must be the only person. Hey, Michael, can you hang around? We've gone a little long on this segment. Absolutely. I, I want to talk, Michael Quinn Sullivan's here. He's got a new book out. It's called Reflections on Life and Liberty. It's available at Amazon.com. You can find it in other places. You can just go to TexasScorecard.com, and you'll, you'll find a link to it there. More with Michael Quinn Sullivan coming up in just a little bit. Our doctor told us the pills we took were just a placebo, but he must not know what he's talking about because they worked. This is Pursuit of Happiness Radio. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Washington State. Washington State has a new assault weapon ban. There's a report today at Reason.com, and it breaks it all down. They're calling it the assault weapon ban. They're saying 
Most forms of rifles, semi-automatic rifles, will now be banned in the state of Washington. Liberals are really excited about this. In fact, I'm going to let a liberal talk to you about how excited they are about it for just a minute. And then afterwards, I'm going to explain to you why none of this even matters. Hello, racists. It's me again, Senator Bernie Sanders, with your week and review. So far this week, Tucker Carlson was fired. Washington State banned most kinds of rifles. And pretty soon, Title 42 will end at our border. In a nutshell, this was a fantastic week. This week was better than the time I enjoyed myself on a taxpayer-funded vacation to the Soviet Union. Best honeymoon ever. Yes, that really happened. Look it up. I especially enjoyed the Soviet Union soup kitchens and bread lines. I can't find a bowl of soup anywhere in America that compares to the one I had the last time I was in Moscow. I believe it was tomato soup served at room temperature. Delicious. Anyway, it probably won't surprise you to learn that my friends and I are pretty excited about Mr. Carlson losing his job at Fox News. Need I point out that Rupert Murdoch fired Tucker right after AOC publicly said his show needed to be removed from TV screens? Does this mean AOC now controls Fox News? Yeah, probably. But if you're sad about Tucker Carlson being fired, I prepared a short list of things you can watch instead of his white supremacist TV show. Like reruns of Matlock or reruns of The Golden Girls or whatever is on MSNBC right now. I have no idea. Some show about Marxist lesbians, probably. Or how about a nice VHS tape collection of Richard Simmons sweating to the oldies? Talk about a good time. I love watching that proud gay man do aerobics with a bunch of gorgeous BBWSs. We need more of that on TV here in the 21st century. Bring back plus-size aerobics. Until then, I gotta run. Somewhere, a college student is about to realize he's being charged hundreds of thousands of dollars to let communists brainwash him, and I need to go distract that young man with TikTok videos and CBD gummies. So long, Nazis. You're a little bit racist. Well, you're a little okay, bit so, so liberals are really mad. I mean, they're really happy. I'm sorry. Well, they're mad and they're happy. You know how liberals are. Washington has a new, what, something they're calling an assault weapon ban. J.D. Tussle reported on this at Reason.com, and he breaks it all down for you, what the law entails and probably why it's not going to matter in the grand scheme of things, but I'll just give you the cliff notes here. Let's put it bluntly here. It doesn't bode, bode well for a law when you immediately notice the measure's impotence against people who will inevitably evade or ignore what it dictates. And that's exactly what's happening here. Governor Jay Inslee in Washington State, all proud of the fact that he just signed this bill, the most anti-gun measure ever, ban on assault weapons. He said it bans this kind of rifle and that kind of pistol and what have you. Despite his very dubious history lesson, the the governor, that is, and the huffy insistence of the authors of the, the, the bill, what's it called, HB 1240, they put in here a lot of very specific wording about very specific guns. And as lawmakers elsewhere have already discovered in the past, if you ban guns by model names and assortments of features, people can comply with the law by changing those names and shaking up the features to sell functionally identical firearms that just have different names. This has happened before. It happened in California. Back in 1989, they banned a long list of rifles with specific names. So manufacturers slapped on new stickers the state then defined restricted weapons by a list of features including detachable magazines that when combined were illegal and that just inspired a few new tweaks also 
isn't there something in the Constitution that says you can't make somebody's specific somebody's specific business illegal? Like, there's nothing constitutional about this. Never mind the fact that the Second Amendment says you're allowed to have guns, right? So these laws have the greatest impact on legally acquiring new weapons, which must comply with the law. Once purchased, people unimpressed by lawmakers can modify their firearms in privacy or have any characteristics they please. The infinitely customizable AR-15, the perfect example of the DIY revolution, do-it-yourself, that has eased personal manufacture of firearms by people. You know this. You can, You probably got a custom AR-15 yourself, and if you don't, I bet one of your best friends or family members does. But again, did we mention the Constitution here? There are the unpromising courtroom prospects of assault weapon bans. This stuff never works for them. Go ahead, pass all the laws you want. Take it to a federal court, you're going to lose. Even if the ban stands as a matter of law, it will join its counterparts elsewhere as a challenge to be overcome by innovators, by manufacturers, or, or, or as a rights violation to be defied by gun enthusiasts. So far, innovators, enthusiasts are the clear winners. And do I need to point out here that criminals don't care? Yeah, this will stop law-abiding citizens from from getting a certain kind of gun for a short amount of time, as I've just explained to you, in the state of Washington, right? But what if you wanted to murder people? What if you didn't care about gun laws? Do you think anything's stopping someone from murder? You can write all the laws in the world that you want. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to legislate away evil. And I, I just don't think liberals understand that. Ken Webster's Pursuit of Happiness, a radio show that's just as good when you're driving around sober as it is when you're drunk at home. I'm always impressed at the White House press department's ability to tell you that the sky is not blue. No, no, no. The sky is uh what what color is the sky? Is it green? It's what it's not blue. Now, maybe you might think it's blue during the day, dark at night, maybe some different colors during sunsets. No, 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 no. Ignore that. It's not blue. No. Grass is not green. The sun does not rise in the east and set in the west. That's not what it does. No, the sun rises in the west and sets in the east. Don't believe your lying eyes. Your your eyes are lying to you. It's Corinne Jean-Pierre, French dip. She's the one you need to listen to. Corinne Jean-Pierre, she's not as good as Jen Psaki was. I'm sorry, uh, Jen Pasassi, excuse me. Corinne Jean-Pierre was opining the other day in front of the White House press department, explaining to them how you just don't understand Joe Biden's cheat sheet. Joe Biden has a cheat sheet. We all saw it. There's photographs of it. And on his cheat, he has all these cards. And not only does it have a picture of the journalist he's supposed to call on with the question they're going to ask, and then underneath it, there's the answer. Even more embarrassing, on the back of the cheat sheet, it had a list of the names of all the people on stage with him, including guys like John Kirby, the Pentagon spokesperson, or uh, Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State. I'm sorry, you can't remember the name of your own Secretary of State? Earlier this week, Van Jones on CNN said, Joe Biden isn't really running for president. It's really Kamala you're voting for. I don't know if that's true or not. And there's a part of me that wonders if we'd be better off with a president Kamala. I mean, just compared to what we've got. I don't know. But I digress. I'm getting away from the point here. So Corrine Jean-Pierre was asked about these cheat sheets yesterday. The LA Times said that their reporter did not submit any questions in advance of yesterday's press conference. So to people who saw that pocket card, can you explain how that ended up there and why the president needed something like that. 
So just to just to step back, and I'm actually glad you asked that question. Uh, clearly, I would let uh, oh, of course uh, she's the, glad. Yeah. The reporter for uh, Los Angeles Times speak for herself. Uh, it is entirely normal for a president to be briefed on reporters yeah. who will be asking questions at a press conference and issues that we expect they might ask about. Uh, wait, 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 but it gets better. Hold we on. We do not have specific questions in advance. That's not something that we do. And in fact, I would point out the questions that was asked was different uh, than what was on the card. It was the same question worded swi- slightly differently. Again, up is down, left is right, pigs are dogs, dogs are cats. Michael Quinn Sullivan, apparently you're a socialist and you run a website where you sell used cars. Is that right? Uh, well, you know, I really appreciate you asking me that question, Janae, <laughs> because, you know, um, socialism is really for liberty. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and used cars make fantastic kitchen appliances. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, exactly. Nothing is real anymore. We're just making up reality. No, Michael Quinn Sullivan, you are a conservative thought leader from Texas. Uh, what do you, What is your take on this? She says this is normal. There's nothing normal about this. There is nothing, 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 nothing normal about this whatsoever. You know, um, I, I am a journalist. I used to be a, an actual practicing journalist. I used to go to the press conferences. I used to stand there and shout the questions. I used to get called on. All those kind of things. You do not do this sort of thing. Now, look, if you're doing a long-form interview and you are not playing gotcha and said you're trying to listen to you will say, okay, these are the topics I want to cover. Things like that when right. you're doing a one-on-one long-form interview. That's some kind of basic journalism because, you know, not every governor, not every U.S. senator is going to have the Every detail about every issue at their fingertip at every moment. They're human beings, right? So, okay, I'm like, you know, here are the things I want to cover so you're ready for it. That is not what that card demonstrated to the American people yesterday. That card demonstrated this president and the media collude in ways that, you know, you know, baffle every standard of professionalism. It, you know, look, you know the guy's not healthy. Watch <laughs> him walk. I mean, the way he walks is very peculiar, um, and it's and you know, there there is a whole lot wrong with that man. Um, it is sad. It is a. I mean, it's a travesty. Um, in any other situation, you'd say, oh my gosh, this is elder abuse. Um, and I mean, <laughs> everything about this is wrong. Everything, everything, everything is wrong. All right, so let's see what the alternative would be. We all know we're one heart attack away from a President Kamala. Pretty scary to admit. So Kamala yesterday, she's uh, meeting with the leader of South Korea. And uh, thank God she knew where South Korea was. Here was what she had to say during a speech about American, you know, U.S.-South Korean relations. I also think of the Emmy Award-winning TV shows like Squid Games, which I will confess Doug and I binge-watched at home (laughs) over a series of weeks. Over a series of weeks. It almost sounded like she said eight weeks. Do I really have to be the jackass that points out how if it took you weeks to watch Squid Games, it, then you didn't binge watch it? But never mind that, right? It's Kamala. The thing that Kamala thought to bring up at a conversation about American-South Korean-U.S. relations was that she enjoys watching a TV show about how people, poor people are taken to an island and tortured to death to try to win games and prizes. Ladies and gentlemen, your vice president, Michael Quinn Sullivan, what say you? <laughs> Look, you know, I, I, I think the only redeeming quality that Kamala Harris has is that she is so stupid uh, that everyone recognizes it. There's not a single person on the planet who goes, well, you know, maybe she's smart and it's all a con. Oh, no. 
everyone gets that gets the joke with her um you know and and or, or i mean the sick joke with her um you know it it, it, it we we all know and I, I mean we're not supposed to talk about and this is a family radio show so you and i will not talk about you know um the the particular qualifications that first got her into office ah yes uh, uh, mayor, mayor willie brown yeah uh, yeah and um uh, and yeah willie um and and i think that you know i mean so that you know, she, she she's not she's never been known for being particularly smart what she has been known for is being easily led and manipulated which i think is why the left is just fine with these two cats being in their positions because ultimately it's not joe biden who's the president and it's not kamala harris who's the president it's a series of people whose names that we don't know who occupy the senior positions in the White House and who are the big donors who manipulate both of them. And, and now, you know, whatever you want to say about Barack Obama, Barack Obama was his own man, for better or worse. Right. Bill Clinton, his own man. George W. Bush, his own man. Ronald Reagan, his own, you know, go down the line. Um, we, we are in a very uncomfortable place where we have a president and a vice president who, who do not know where they are at any given moment. Biden because of, you know, whatever elderly issues, Kamala because she just ain't bright. Um, you know, again, you know, Donald Trump, whatever you might think of Donald Trump, um, the, the, the guy was at least self-aware. You might not have liked the, the awareness he had of himself. Joe Biden is not. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is a troubling place for our republic at the moment. Very interesting uh, take on that, and I agree. You know, I, I, I wonder about George W. Bush, but I don't want to disagree with you. I've always thought it was Dick Cheney and Karl Rove behind the scenes calling the shots. But, you know, George, yep. s- say what you well, will he, about George he, W. Bush. He, did, he was good at speeches. He didn't have the teleprompter and all that. Like, people would make fun of him. He could talk for a long time without the teleprompter. Look, my, my very first conversation with George W. Bush was before he ran for governor. He was the owner of the Texas Rangers baseball team. And a mutual friend said, oh, Mike, we need to go interview this guy. He might be running for governor. I sat and had a hamburger with him for three hours at a Dairy Queen. Um, really nice person of his you know, like I, he, he, he failed me as president in a lot of ways. That's a different issue. Um, but I think, though, that, um, uh, you know, but again, even with him, his problem was 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 the more typical problem of, you know, personnel is policy, which right. is, you know, you, you know, you 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 hire some bad people, Dick Cheney, Carl Rove, <laughs> who who then and then you follow their advice. Um, that's categorically different, I think, than what we see with the Biden and Harris problem. Huh. The Biden and Harris problem is not that they hired bad people. It's that neither one of them. Have, have have the have the intellectual capacity to hire someone they're not they're not those kinds of people um and so therefore they are they are puppets in the most literal version you can say oh well you know you could you couldn't you could barely see Carl Rove's mouth move and you know George W. Bush spoke. Oh, okay, that's funny. That's cute. It's literally true when you're talking about Joe Biden. It, it is actually the case with Biden and Harris. Michael, one more f- for you before we leave. S- switch the topics here for just a minute. Something I'd really love to get your take on. There's not enough good news, you know. And I, I don't take any joy in knowing that someone else lost their job, even if that person's my political opposite or my political enemy, if you yeah. will. But even still, if you look at what's going on around the country right now. Over the past decade, you've got all these conservative news outlets thriving at the moment. Things that didn't even exist 10 years ago. Daily Wire, Daily Caller, Breitbart. Uh, the list goes on and on. Conservative talk radio, has n- it's bigger than it's ever been. They predicted it's doom and gloom years ago with the advent of the podcast. 
Podcast probably made conservative talk radio even more popular. TexasScorecard.com. That wasn't a thing 20 years ago. Now there's a conservative news website for Texans. And it's very popular. It's not even the only one. It's incredible. And at the same time, media layoffs just announced over the last four months. I mean, just since the beginning of the year here. CNN, Vice Media, Insider, BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed News no longer exists. Complex no longer exists. Paper Magazine is gone. Vox Media is gone. Layoffs at ABC, ESPN, National Geographic, 538. That's Nate Silvers. Layoffs at publicly funded liberal media, NPR, Fandom, Gannett, The Washington Post, NBC News, EW Scripps, whatever that was. I don't know. But but one thing is for sure, and while, again, I take no pride in knowing these people lost their jobs, Isn't it interesting to think there's more people out there that want to consume the kind of news that your news organization and our news organization are reporting than the sort of stuff that's supposedly mainstream and and supposedly legacy, your take? Yeah, no, I mean, look, uh, this kind of goes to the the conversation we were having a little bit ago about the uh, you know, about the cocktail party problem, right? Um, you know, the, all of those entities would not be failing. They wouldn't be laying people off if people really wanted to consume content from that perspective and from kind of that end of the, of the political, that side of the political aisle. Um, the, the fact of the matter is our ideas, our values, our principles are the mainstream. They are the norm. They are the things that people care about. And that's where people, that's where, where people's eyeballs are going um, is, 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 is things to what you think of as the right. Um, and, the, and it's the left that cannot, the only way the left survives is when they compel people uh, to consume their content. You know, Pravda was the most read publication in the USSR until the USSR ceased to exist. <laughs> and they couldn't make people read it anymore. And then no one read it anymore. And it, and it, poof, it went away. I think, um, I think Bernie became, Sanders actually, might still be a reader. It, became an, it actually became the message. <laughs> it became so, CNN. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, Eugene. Michael Quinn Sullivan, yeah. my brother. I'm sorry, we got a break, man. This uh, we're we're about to hit the end of the show here. We got Fox News at the top of the hour. I cannot uh, stress this enough, folks. If you're if you're not busy this weekend, go to TexasScorecard.com, subscribe to their email list, and check out my buddy Michael's new book. Michael Quinn Sullivan, the creator of Texas Scorecard, just wrote a new book, Reflections on Life and Liberty. You can learn all about it on his website. You can find it on Amazon. You can order it from Apple or wherever you like to buy books from. We're not. Just go to TexasScorecard.com. Scroll down to the bottom of the page. You will find a link right there. And to the rest of you, I say have an awesome weekend. I'm going to read that book this weekend. I just got a copy of it in the mail a couple days ago. Eager to take a look at it. Uh, Have an awesome weekend. I love you all. Don't forget tomorrow, come meet us at Bikes on the Bayou and the John Walton Memorial Ride. It's a charity we're doing to raise money for the Sunshine Kids. Have a great weekend, y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Listening to the pursuit of happiness radio. Tell the government to kiss your ass when you listen to the show.